I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Championship is set. And it may not be an NBA championship, but boy, does it still seem to matter for those guys. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Andre Snellings in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. We're always appreciative when he takes his time to hang out with us. Hello, Dre. What up? What up? Thanks for having me in the house. Were you just in like Hawaii or something? What were all these photos I was seeing? It was some tropical paradise. I, I was. Uh, I was in Maui. Um, uh, I went there uh, first with my wife for our honeymoon almost 19 years ago. And this time we got to go back and take the kids. And, and my mom and her husband came too. Um, you know, it, it, my, my son just had his 15th birthday. So that was our excuse. We went to celebrate it. <laughs> Wow, uh, 15, 15, mm-hmm. for 15, you get Maui's, right on it. It's all <laughs> well, downhill from here, kid, that's for, for, for 15, sure. we got Maui. Like, <laughs> yeah, you that's know. true. Smart by you, actually. I should look into that for my kid's <laughs> fifth birthday. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Give us a call. You can always join the conversation. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper pepper the one that fans deserve so the lakers manhandled the pelicans last night 133 to 89 the pacers also handled milwaukee just fine 128 to 119 so now we've got the championship tomorrow night lakers pacers for all the money for $500,000 a piece, which is what the winner will get for each player on the in-season <laughs> tournament championship team. You can hear the coverage. The NBA in-season tournament finals are right here on ESPN Radio Coverage. Starts at 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Tip-off in that game will be at 8.30 p.m. And boy, are these teams exciting to me. Because one of them kind of represents like the future to me with Tyrese Halliburton, who mm-hmm. quite literally, Dre, made history. No other player has shot for over 25 points with over 15 assists and zero tournaments in back-to-back games. He did that in the quarterfinals and the semifinals. That dude is as electric as it gets right now in the NBA. On the other side, you have LeBron James, mm-hmm. who is darn near my age and <laughs> Mine still too. out here doing it. Yeah, yours too. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here with our backs hurting when we get up <laughs> from talking on these microphones. And that man is out there dropping 30 points in 23 minutes. And oh, by the way, not even bothering to play the fourth. Yeah, I mean, he, by, by the fourth, he was icing his knees like the Bulls in the 90s. So, you know, um, yeah, th- th- this tournament has been outstanding. It has way exceeded my expectations, uh, just the level of excitement and the energy that all of the teams and the fans are putting into it. And yeah, Tyrese Halliburton is magical. I've been calling him uh, Kurt Warner, a, a football analogy. I've been saying he's like Kurt Warner in the, the greatest show on turf uh, from the Rams in, in 1999 because when he's out there, it just feels like 
the Pacers can score every possession and the other team can't do anything about it. You know, you pointed out that he had all of these assists with no turnovers. It's not like he was throwing basic chess passes to to shooters that were creating their shot. He threw a half-court alley-oop yep. to Obi Toppin, who caught it and dunked it backwards at like a, a, a key yes. point of the game. You know, like so he he's out there dropping dimes. They are must-watch TV if, if you have the NBA League pass. There was a game against the Hawks a couple weeks ago where the teams combined for more than 300 points. And, and, and Halliburton, he's not just a distributor. He can drop 40 points on you as well. So I've loved the fact that he's using this stage to break out. And then, of course, you you bring up uh, LeBron James. He doesn't have to break out. Everybody knows who he is. But what I've loved is how seriously he's taking this in-season tournament as as a, a NBA veteran, 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 as veteran as anybody has ever uh, been. But he's taking it seriously, and it seems like that's propelling the Lakers to also take it seriously. And he's playing like it's the playoffs. And if he plays like it's the playoffs, the Lakers are really hard to beat. LeBron's unbelievable because he's about to be 39 years old at the end of this month. And like you said, the fact that, I mean, yes, he's arguably the greatest player in the history of the universe, right? Or whatever, (laughs) the history of his generation, whatever you want to call him. But I think it's even more amazing, the longevity. And then with that longevity in his 21st season, giving a damn Mm -hmm. about this thing, right? And I thought this was an excellent idea by Adam Silver to try to implement something to make the NBA season, which is far too long, Dre. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know you cover the NBA here for us at ESPN, but (laughs) we can keep it real. All right, the season's long. It's too long and it kind of minimizes the uh, importance of each and every game. They're not going to shorten the season because everybody likes money. Okay. So nobody wants to give it up. So you got to find a way for the NBA to matter during football season. And this is Adam Silver's approach. I thought it was a great idea to try to implement it. I thought that it was going to take a few years, though, for anybody to buy in. And I frankly thought it was going to cost more than $500,000 a player for them to really care about who wins the championship. I thought that it was going to take some sort of seating, you know, where Mm -hmm. there's some sort of playoff seating on the line for these guys to buy in. But LeBron sets the tone. If that dude... If the best player in his generation at 39 almost years old can get out there and can be that efficient and can still care that much and be that electric on that stage, then everybody else has to buy in below him and everybody else in this league is below LeBron James. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I thought this was a good idea, the in-season tournament, when when it happened, um, when when, uh, Adam Silver announced it this summer. I was a little bit skeptical that it would be what it's been um, because it's crazy to say a half a million dollars for player, you know, don't take my pocket money. You know, like that's like 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 that's not going to move the envelope for the superstar players. But you're right. LeBron buying in the way he has has been huge. But I think also the fans buying in the way they have has been mm-hmm. huge. The, the The crowds have been just going wild for this. And I heard someone say on the radio um, uh, the other day that a lot of players in the league maybe didn't necessarily take the in-season tournament as seriously at the start, and they ended up on teams that did not make it to this Final Eight, Final Four championship, 
And now they're having a little bit of FOMO. You know, they're having a little bit of, hey, maybe we missed out. Maybe we should have uh, really dug into this. And so I think that bodes really well for this tournament moving forward that next uh, year, this time around, I mean, at, at this time of year, you'll have more teams really vying for this from the start and really making this an Im- impactful thing in the, in, in the league. Yeah, for my Miami Heat, I watched Jimmy Butler rust mm-hmm. in a must-win game for this tournament. I would imagine next season it's a very different story if you're a player like Jimmy Butler in that scenario. Adam Silver, he is the commissioner of the NBA. He was on ESPN Radio with Mark Kestisher and PJ Carlissimo. He talked about how crucial it was for these players to buy into this thing. It, it couldn't happen without the players, and not just the agreement at the table, but then I think what comes down through veteran players – Steph Curry embraced this. Obviously, LeBron embraced this early on. And when you when you get to know players, and you guys know this well, that there's aspects to them that aren't that different than fans. You know, especially young players in the league. To the extent older veteran players are saying, "Let's go. This is something interesting." That influences them just in the same way that if you're a fan and you hear, "Well, if Steph Curry says this is something I'm going to play hard for, it must be it must be meaningful." Here's why I think it also works. When it comes to LeBron, for example, Dre, he's quite literally done everything you can do in your entire career in the NBA. He's won it all. He's done it all. He's seen it all. He's proved it all, right? But what he hasn't done is this. Mm -hmm. So it's giving him kind of like a new thing to do and also a new stage to get up and show his stuff. LeBron doesn't quite still have it like he did in his prime. He doesn't. As amazing as he still is, and as amazing as what we're watching, the turnovers are up, the post-ups, the pick and rolls, they're down. He's averaging the fewest shots per game of his entire career. He's never had more of his own baskets assisted than he does now. But he's also the player that in a semifinals must-win scenario against what was a good New Orleans team before this, this season, he can be, you know, so efficient that he's putting up 30 points, eight assists, five boards in 23 minutes of play. Like, that dude shows up when he needs to show up still. He's got it like that. And he's going to show up because it's the stage. So it's setting the stage. And on the other side of the coin, a player like Tyrese Halliburton, he gets to show off his stuff on a stage that, frankly, I don't think he's going to get otherwise because the Pacers have some real defensive (laughs) issues. They Mm -hmm. ain't winning a championship outside of this thing. Mm -hmm. But maybe those sorts of teams also, like, this will become the championship then because they know that... They've got some work to do before they win an actual one. Definitely, definitely. And I think you raise a great point. You know, my my, my uncles and my dad's friends when I was a kid used to have this expression, you know, I'm, I'm not the man I used to be, but I'm all the man once that I ever was, you mm-hmm. know. And, and so I feel like that's where LeBron is in his career, that he can't be, quote unquote, King James that we came to to know over these last two decades on a, as you pointed out, 82-game marathon schedule and then have something left for another two months of playoffs. Like, that's not something that he can do. But he can ramp it up. He can choose his spots. And the fact that he's chosen his spots has made in for this tournament has made this tournament uh, a, a much higher level, a much uh, more enjoyable watch for, for all involved. And, and you brought up Jimmy Butler a second ago. I think that, too, the fact that, but these two teams, you've got the two sides of the coin that I think work for the tournament. You've got the team like the Lakers that have won a recent championship. LeBron has won everything. He's, you know, got legacy on his mind. So when the NBA does a new thing, they they, they start a playing tournament. Okay, I want to win that. You know, they, they start the in-season tournament. Okay, I want to win that. So you've got that aspect. 
And then on the other side, you've got um, a, a team like the, the Pacers that have never won anything, and they're on the way up. In the middle, you've got teams like the Heat with Jimmy Butler. And I feel like Butler, he's a guy that's like, okay, I'm in my 30s now. I don't know how many more cracks I'm going to have at the NBA championship. So this in-season thing isn't really moving the needle for him. Um but if you're a young team trying to prove yourself or you're a veteran team that's already done it, I feel like those are the two, t- two uh, uh, ends of the, the spectrum that can really try to push this in-season tournament forward. Adam Silver has to be pretty thrilled how well mm-hmm. it has gone. I'm not always one who is complimentary of everything Adam Silver does. Sometimes every commissioner deserves some criticism. There are times I've been critical of Adam Silver. This is not one of them because this ends up being a huge success, a proposal there by Adam Silver to take a European model. And heck, it works here in a different sport in a different country as well. He is Andre Snellings. He covers the NBA for us. You can check out all of his work on the dot com. You can also find him on social at Professor Dr. Z as Amber and Ian rolls up. Coming on next, coming up next, rather, we transition to the NFL. Do the Bills have a Sean McDermott problem? We'll get into that. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Andre Snellings filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight here on Amber and Ian. You can find me, Amber Wilson, at Amber W Sports. You can find him, Andre Snellings, at Professor Dr. Z. Because Dre is here, we're, of course, talking a lot of NBA. But the NFL is king around here, Andre, so we've got to give it its due. And one of the big stories today out of the NFL was a weird one where we found out that apparently, reportedly, Back in 2019, Sean McDermott had made some very weird comments about September 11th at training camp. Apparently, he tried to emphasize to his team the importance of communicating and being on the same page. In doing so, he mentioned the September 11th terrorists and the way that they communicated with one another reportedly. Now, this all came out because of a three-part series called The McDermott Problem by journalist Ty Dune. The story was released on Ty Dune's platform, Go Long. So you can tell by the title of that, 
the McDermott problem. Yeah. That it's not a very nice piece uh, <laughs> in terms of Sean McDermott. And this story from 2019, years ago, I mean, there's just no, I mean, there's absolutely no, like, it, it's, unbe- it's, it's unbelievable that it would even happen, frankly. Yeah. It's, it's, it defies all logic. I know when you and I first saw this story, James Steele, our producer, had texted it to us yesterday in a, group chat and in both of our reactions were like is this real like are right. we sure? like i know it says adam schefter and yeah. <laughs> but like this from this tweet but like are we sure it's the real adam schefter you yeah know, because it seems so insane that somebody would ever reference the hijackers on september 11th to prove any kind of point whatsoever or use right. them as an example sean mcdermott was i believe 29 years old by the way on september 11th not a child yeah yeah i i mean yeah my my first, as you pointed out, our first reaction was kind of like, this has to be like a Saturday Night Live, Dave Chappelle type skit, or you know that 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 it, it's one of those fake Adam Schefter underscore accounts or right. something, and and so it was like, yeah, no, this this the, so the fact that it's actually real does it it doesn't feel real because that is such a tone deaf thing to say, you know, using that in a positive light. Um, while working in New York, like it's just it, it's it's on so many levels. But I guess also, as you pointed out, this is a series of articles titled "The Sean McDermott Problem," and so it kind of makes me wonder, like, okay, why is this coming out now, and who is kind of behind it? You know, um, I, obviously the Bills are, you know, they're six and six; they're not in the championship window that that every that a lot of people expected them to be. So maybe there are some unhappy people there. But this just felt like, okay, this was a clear shot aimed at, at you know, at McDermott to bring up what was a really embarrassing situation that was supposed to be uh, behind closed doors with the team. That's what I think's so interesting about this story is because it is a story from 2019, and it's a bad one. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that it doesn't come out until 2023. Dune had included quotes from a group of unnamed team personnel regarded regarding the speech from Sean McDermott. Now, McDermott, of course, has had to address this mm-hmm. and uh, had a, a press conference. Here is the Bills head coach. That was part of the reason, a big part of the reason why I did it, because having everyone on the same page. And um, if I was a new player, based on, you know, how I've seen Sean, I would expect them to think that 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 doesn't that's maybe, you know, doesn't fit what I've seen. And so, again, just clear communication, accountability and just, you know, trying to make sure everyone's on the same page. At the end of the day, I know who I am. At the end of the day, I know how I handle myself. As I've said, humbly, I'm I'm not without flaws. So he said that he regretted uh, referencing or, or mentioning 9-11 there or any sort of reference to yeah. the terrorists. But that was him clarifying the reason for the comparison to the Al-Qaeda terrorists. I mean, listen, in my book, like it's hard to it's hard to hear any points and not hear it as him saying, well, they did this thing well. Or like job well done terrorists who murdered <laughs> thousands and thousands of Americans and cost even further Americans with health problems many years later. Everybody who was at Ground Zero worked on Ground Zero and rescued people. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of lives changed that day. Yeah. It goes without saying. You and I lived through it. Mm-hmm. We all remember it. We were here. Sean McDermott, I imagine, remembers that horrific day as well. So it seems like a weird day to reference. But also what you said, the broader point here. Why now? Who wants Sean McDermott out in Buffalo? Because that's almost what 
this feels like here that we're trending towards? And is it because there's a real Sean McDermott problem in Buffalo? These comments aside, no, nobody's justifying the comments. But in terms of the actual coaching there for the Bills that you just mentioned, sitting at 500 with all the town on, talent on that team. Yeah, I mean, so the the Bills as a whole, like coming into this season, I was not as high on them. Like the whole situation with Diggs and Allen, it just seemed like it had lingered the entire offseason and it seemed strange. And, and you know, they they gotten close to the mountaintop a couple times, but they didn't get that close. You know, like they, they had that game against Kansas City where they really could have won if not for kind of the miraculous finish. But that wasn't even the conference finals. And so I, I've, I've felt for a while that that maybe they weren't quite as good as, as, you know, we thought that they were and that maybe this was going to be a down season for them. Um, I don't know if that is on McDermott and his coaching. He has had success there. Um, but clearly the team is not where they want to be. And apparently uh, when you look at the, these articles – there are people that are not happy with the way things are going and feel that he's the root of the issue and 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 not not others. I don't know that I feel that way in particular, but um, clearly somebody does. I have not felt that way up until this point. I do think it's interesting now with this article that's out there with some of these revelations that are being made and the article is very critical of McDermott with his perceived lack of accountability. That's like Mm -hmm. really the thing that comes under fire in this article. And I know McDermott came out, he called the attack on his character disappointing. He called it hurtful. uh, And and he referenced it himself as an attack on his character. But I do wonder then, Mm -hmm. are there more problems there? You know, obviously there's unnamed team personnel and players Mm -hmm. That we're willing to talk to this journalist in order to make this piece. Maybe there's more discord in this locker room beyond just that Diggs Allen discord that we already knew about in the offseason. And it's a three-part piece, so there could be more to come. (laughs) And it could explain maybe more the state of the Bills when you do have one of the best quarterbacks in the league uh, at the helm, and yet this is where they're sitting. Coming up next, we go back to the NBA and the in-season tournament with Kendrick Perkins. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
The finals are set for the NBA in-season tournament. It will be the Lakers and the Pacers, LeBron James and Tyrese Halliburton squaring off tomorrow night. Let's bring in help with the conversation about all things NBA. For that, we turn to ESPN NBA analyst Kendrick Perkins here on Amber and Ian with Andre Snellings filling in for Ian tonight. And Perk, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Let's start with what we saw from the Pelicans, though, in the semis, because the Lakers absolutely dominated New Orleans. I want to talk about the Zion Williamson component of this. We watched him get dominated on the court, and then we heard that apparently he's been ignoring pleas from his team to diet and to try to get that weight under control. What do you make about where we're at with Zion Williamson right now? You know what? I was uh, I was thinking the same thing when I was watching. I said, damn, Zion looked the same size as me. I might need to challenge Zion <laughs> to a weight loss competition. I might need, no, but it's but it's but it's it's one is 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 unprofessional, uh, is disrespectful to the organization, and you know at this point I understand Zion is young. I understand he got to go through some growing pains, but when you see a, a young man like Keegan Murray, right, work on his body, uh, come back looking in great shape. When you watch a guy like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and I know those guys are a little bit older, but when you see those guys being true professionals and, and showing how to be a face of a franchise, we saw what Giannis did with his body. We saw Jokic. He, he's in phenomenal shape. He just have that body that no no matter what, you just not go get a six-pack, but it's okay, though, mm-hmm. right? I call it first-team all-whack body. But, again, <laughs> I said it last year. If I was the Pelicans, I would strongly consider trading and moving on from Zion because every single year we constantly keep visiting this topic. When is Zion going to get in shape? When is Zion going to be healthy? When is Zion going to be a true professional? We have this topic every single season, seems like. And if I'm the Pelicans, at what point do I say, you know what? I have Brandon Ingram. I have a, uh, a bunch of young uh, guys that I drafted that are playing hard for me. I'm I'm athletic at the wing position. I could get back some great value for Zion right now. When are you going to move on from him? I would. Yeah, I I feel you on that. I'm I'm in that uh, whack body club too, but uh, I'm 46. So. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yes, sir. So big perk. Um, I'm writing an article about Tyrese Halliburton and how the Pacers are the NBA analog of of what Kurt Warner and the Greatest Show on Turf Rams did back in 1999. So I just wanted you to talk a little about, bit about what Halliburton's doing and whether he may have leapfrogged all NBA consideration and might be vaulting directly into the MVP uh, discussion. Well, you know you know what's crazy is that last year around this time, uh, Halliburton was averaging around 19 and 10, and I believe the Pacers were uh, right there in the thick of things, top six seed in the West. And I, and I, and I had a, a list that I'd done I don't know if it was on first take or NBA Today, and I had Tyrese Halliburton in my MVP conversation. And people was like, oh, Perk, you tripping, you tripping. Maybe I was tripping in a little bit early, but the potential has always been there. Like, watching this kid at Iowa State, watching the strides he was making, you know, uh, when he was with the Sacramento Kings. And I get it, right? You watch his game, and it's so unorthodox how he shoots the ball, right? It's not the norm. Um, but he's a mixture of new school and old school because he has that Rajon Rondo type 
flavor when it comes to distributing the ball. He also could light it up. I mean, what are he averaging, 24 and 12 right now? And so when you look at a young fellow like that, he's the engine. He's the he, he is the motor of that team. And if the Pacers keep it up, you know, he's going to make an all-NBA team for sure. You have to put him on there. You cannot leave him off. But then you got to start asking yourself, is he in the MVP conversation? What he's doing with this roster, and it's no disrespect to Miles Turner, there's no disrespect to Aaron Neesmith, the OB Toppin. I love those guys and what they bring to the table. But what other bona fide young superstar does he have on that team? Miles Turner is a guy that's going to be an all-star caliber player. He might make it. He might not. But, again, what he's doing for them paces right now and what he's did in this in-season tournament, knocking off the Celtics, uh, knocking off the Bucks, and now into the finals, I mean, we have to put him in that conversation with guys like De'Aaron Fox and Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. He's earned it. These last couple of rounds, he did something that nobody has ever done in NBA history, period. It is unbelievable watching Tyrese Halliburton on this stage. Certainly a player who has embraced it. Kendrick Perkins here on Amber and Ian. Andre Snellen's filling in for Ian tonight. So Halliburton has embraced it. I don't know if Zion embraced it in the semis, <laughs> but most players, Perk, feel like they've embraced this thing in its first inaugural season with the in-season tournament. Are you surprised how quickly everybody bought in on the court to this tournament? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, once <laughs> once Adam Silver said, you know, guys were going to be able to get paid and, and earn bonus money, you know, guys was going to put their best foot forward. But outside of that, this is a competitive league. And we have to give a lot of credit to LeBron James, right? Like, watching LeBron and the way he approached this in-season tournament, he set the bar, right? You need a veteran that's setting the bar. And I'm not just talking about him going out there and getting 30. What, he had like four or five charges yesterday? Like, he's playing playoff-type basketball. And when you see a guy that's arguably the greatest player to ever touch their basketball buying all the way in, then the rest of the league have no choice because whether or not, you know, LeBron knows it, but all those young guys look up to him. We hear guys talk about, you know, the late, great Kobe Bryant, and rightfully so. We hear guys talk about how, you know, this guy was their favorite player. But to be honest, all of those guys look up to LeBron James, and he really has set the tone for the intensity and mindset of this in-season tournament and the seriousness of it. So let's stay on them Lakers for a minute. Um, last season, the Lakers finished strong, made their run to the conference finals after, you know, a, a pretty bad start to the season. The, the trade deadline deals really helped them. But they ran into them Nuggets, and they didn't have an answer for Jokic. They played early this season, and not much looked like it's changed. So my question to you is, do you think the Lakers, because they're playing better now, that they are ready to face any team in the West? Or do you think that they need to make a move um, after this in-season tournament so that they can be ready for uh, that big boy in Denver when the real tournament starts? You know what's crazy? is with the Lakers, any team in the West, right? It's, it's two teams that scare me when it comes down to the Lakers. It's the Denver Nuggets and the Sacramento Kings. It's something about the Aaron Fox and Sabonis. They always win that battle when it comes to LeBron James when they match up with LeBron and AD. And we saw what the Denver Nuggets did to them last season. 
But I want to see this this Laker team healthy, right? I want to see when they get Gabe Benson back. I want to see how they're going to look. But I still think it's one more piece that they need, and they have to find a big body to neutralize Jokic. And I thought they dropped the ball when the Clippers picked up Daniel Tice. I thought that was that guy. Because as much as we want to keep harping on it, AD in the big moments, he don't really want to play the five. Now he's going to get away with it because most nights, you know, he's not seeing a Jokic or a bonus or a Joel and B, so he's going to win that battle. But when it comes down to it, they need one more big. They need one more big guy in there. And I don't know what the market is right now, but they need to be searching. That was one side of this upcoming matchup. Let's talk about the Pacers, though. But we can do what Dre just did and make it a larger, big-picture kind of picture here with the Pacers, Perk. They obviously are awesome offensively, and Halliburton's out of this world, as we've already discussed. But defensively, they leave something to be desired. Can the Pacers actually make a run at it? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) They can't. Look, and I I say that with all due respect, right? Like, they're going to be a team that's going to get into the postseason. They're going to be a hard out. But do I really honestly believe that they could beat the Philadelphia 76ers in a seven-game series? I don't. Could they beat, you know, uh, the Boston Celtics in the seven-game series? I, I don't believe so. Now, here is the tricky part. When it comes down to the Milwaukee Bucks, I feel like that they could beat Milwaukee. Right now, Milwaukee, if you have elite perimeter play, you could beat the Milwaukee Bucks. But outside, you know, I think the Pacers, they could make a run like the Knicks did last year for us getting into the second round and then, you know, getting sitting home. And that's okay because, in my opinion, they exceeded expectations. You mentioned they're the Bucks, so on my way out here, Perk, I want to ask you about the Bucks. Is it weird that, statistically speaking, that pairing between Lillard and Giannis is not the most efficient pairing on the court when the Bucks are playing? I mean, that's not the best partnership out there. Actually, statistically, Lillard and Lopez is. Is that just a matter of those guys needing to play together longer and develop more chemistry? What do you make of where the Bucks are? We knew defense was going to be a problem for this team, but I'm a little surprised that those those two guys on the court together aren't the best statistically speaking that the Bucks can be. Well, that is surprising. And it's going to take sacrificing, right, from both of them. And why I say sacrificing? Because they're both going to have to learn to adjust their game. And I know Giannis is at, is at his best when he's out in transition. And you don't want to take that away from him. But when you get into the playoffs, right, things slow down. And then you start playing half-court basketball. Maul Murray and uh, and Jokic did in the two-man game. They basically ran through the entire play postseason with the help, help of others. But those two guys were unbelievable. And then now we're witnessing the likes of we, – we, we're witnessing Embiid and Maxi, right, learn and play the two-man game better than Giannis and Dane. And that's a problem. So – I know you have Adrian Griffin, who's a first-year head coach, but I feel like they need that coming-to-Jesus meeting, right? When I, I think about the 2008 Celtics, you know, that championship team that I was on, and I think about KJ, and I think about the first day of training camp, and we were in, in a gym, and KG said, hold on, Doc, got something to say. Before Doc said, let's get it in, and KG said, you know what? 
hey, Doc, if you need me, I'm here on offense, but I'm going to be the third option. I'm going to let Paul and Ray rock out, and I'm going to be the third option. And right there set the tone for the entire team and for our entire season that everybody got to sacrifice. So I just feel like, you know, Giannis a little bit less handling the ball, more of Dane with the ball in his hands, Giannis being more of a screener, rolling to the basket. If he want to show us that he can hit the 15-footer or the three-point shot, picking and popping, but I think they got to master their two-man game a little bit better than what they're doing. Not an easy coaching job to walk into one where an NBA championship is the expectation because you have those guys on your team. Kendrick Perkins, he's the best analyst here for NBA. I said it. Thanks for, <laughs> Thank thanks for your time, Perk. All right, big dog. I say that to all the all NBA right. analysts, though, Perk, so, you know, just so you know. Right. <laughs> just I was going to feel special. Hey, <laughs> honesty is the best policy. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Andre Snellings filling in for Ian tonight. We'll transition back to the NFL. Could Mike Tomlin's run in Pittsburgh be over or is that crazy talk? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pittsburgh Steelers are still, they're still technically alive. Still have a winning Record. I'm not sure anybody in Pittsburgh cares, though, because the voices have never been louder calling for the head coach. Andre Snellings filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in for a football doubleheader Sunday as the Ravens host the Rams, followed by the Vikings at the Raiders. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. So the Steelers lose to the Patriots and it feels like the world is on fire Andre in Pittsburgh and this is a weird thing about Steelers fans because we always on national media those of us who don't have much of a stake in the game we spend a lot of time praising Mike Tomlin I mean the man's never had a losing season he's what 16 years in or 17 years in to this thing and he's never had a losing season that feels like a huge accomplishment you know However, there's a lot of voices in Pittsburgh that feel differently, that feel otherwise, that are far more critical of that coaching staff. And now they're starting to pick up enough steam where now I'm even starting to see a lot of the national outlets have that conversation Mm -hmm. about the future of Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I mean, and so... In addition, I feel like I have to say not, not just that he's never had a losing season, the man's won a Super Bowl. So, you know, like he, he's right. put together like a stellar uh, resume, uh, Hall of Fame type resume. So um, 
I've always thought it was interesting. So my in-laws, my my wife is from Pittsburgh. So I pay a lot of attention to the Steelers and and the, the discussions around them. And the last this has been going on for a couple seasons now where Steelers fans have been, you know, critical about Tomlin, much more critical than than, as you pointed out, the outside uh, uh, public and, and media has been. So I find the whole thing interesting. And for me, I think a lot of it might, might be about expectations. But my expectations coming into this season was that the Steelers weren't very good, that they were the least of the four teams in the AFC North. And the only reason I thought that they would have, you know, a chance at the playoffs is because Mike Tomlin's teams never lose more than they win. Like, it just never happens. So for for me to look up right now and them to be seven and six, uh, right on the cusp of, of, of making the playoffs still, even after those two losses, with a team with no offense, where people are like, how are they winning? Normally, you uh, you you attribute that to the coach, right? You say, oh, well, they're, they're winning when they're not supposed to be winning. It must be the leadership coming from within. So I, I do find it interesting, the level of criticism that he receives for what on the whole objectively still seems to be a pretty good job. I'm with you. I did not expect anything from the Steelers. Heck, I really didn't expect anything from them last season. I thought you're moving on from the Big Ben era. There's going to be some growing pains here. I was shocked that he was able to finish last season with a winning record as so many of us were. And yeah, you're not going to make a postseason run, but again... None of us expected you to even be in a postseason, right? But then you roll into this season, and I think what Steelers fans wanted to see is building on last season and feeling like, hey, Kenny Pickett really is, in fact, the guy. And it hasn't felt like that, of course, this season. Things haven't fully gone according to plan, but also nobody could have expected the Bengals to be as bad as they are. Nobody could have expected Deshaun Watson to be out, right, for the rest of the season. There's things that were happening in that division that have allowed the Steelers to still have an opportunity here. Mike Tomlin has obviously heard the voices. It's why he got rid of Matt Canada. Mm -hmm. That's not something that you ever see him do. If he wasn't aware of the pressure there in Pittsburgh, you wouldn't have seen him make that move in season. But it is interesting that that hasn't really alleviated alleviated much of anything because I did think that those loud voices were going to get a lot quieter once they moved on from Canada. I thought he'd kind of be the scapegoat, so to speak, or maybe he actually was, was the problem, but, you know, sort of the scapegoat, so to speak, for at least an entire season, at least the rest of the season, right? The problem. It, oh, I'm it, sorry. it lasted a game. Yeah, <laughs> it lasted I mean, a game, and we're right back here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the timing. It's like if you are going to choose a guy to be the scapegoat, and it's at a point in the schedule where you're facing back to back two win teams. The the thought is okay. Most teams maybe bounce back, play a little better after their guy got fired. These should be two winnable games. It quiets the noise. The Steelers have nine wins. They're going to the playoffs. But if you fire the guy and then immediately look worse and immediately lose to those two win teams, including a Patriots team that everybody was leaving for dead, then, yeah, the, the, the noise in the room is going to get a little louder and it's a little harder to to um, uh, use him as that scapegoat if that's what he was going to be. But I do I, I feel you that there was the thought that, well, maybe Kenny Pickett is going to take a step forward and Pickett and Pickens look so great in the preseason and all of that. I understand that. But if you've got a guy in Tomlin that's been there forever and you've got a brand new quarterback that's having some trouble, 
maybe the first place I look for the 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 issue isn't necessarily Tomlin. It might be the offensive coordinator. It might be the quarterback himself that just needs to develop. You know, it's it's weird that moving on from, you know, a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger might not mean immediate Super Bowl the next shocking. couple of years, right? Like, <laughs> shocking if there'd be some down seasons there. However, it has been 15 years since that Super Bowl win from the Steelers and Tomlin. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016. I think a lot of us from the outside looking in are thinking, yeah, but be careful what you wish for. Like, there are so many worse things that you could have experienced for the last 17 years than what you've experienced because of your head coach. But in Pittsburgh, I think just the attention span is running dry. Coming up next, we will look ahead with our attention span to the big Week 14 matchups.